0: Hey guys, Jesse here to share with you your call to action, encourage and inspire you on your business journey. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, thanks for coming in for another session with us here at the table at Keepspace. I've got my good friend Jai here who is really going to come and share his story around what he's been learning about in the investment space as well as just being with other businesses and just hearing about what is that world like.
1: So, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Uh, look, uh, I really like you, Jesse. You're a humble, funny, and uh, passionate guy, which is a very good combination, I'd say. Let me give so. you that 50 bucks. I promised you about <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, you should be yellow.
0: Haven't you seen kids do this stuff all the time? They just give fake money. So tell me, what's, what's, your, what's your story, man? What's your background? What, just fill me in. Where have you been at since, since you left
1: junior? Like, what did you study? Well, uh, I studied a couple of things. Um, and um, it, go, it, all, it goes all the way back to 2010. Wow, um, okay. And this is year 10. I've got to select, um, you know, there's a bit of a disclaimer that, it, you know, I haven't gone down the path that everyone does, and I had my fair share of trouble with my family, so, anyways. So this is year 10, I've got to select whether I go into medical sciences, uh, engineering sciences or commerce or arts and then I go to my dad, dad I think I've really thought about this and my granddad agrees, I think I'm analytical but I don't want to do science. I know you're a doctor, I know my mum's a doctor I know my cousins are doctors, but I don't want to do that. So you you come from a family of doctors? Yes. Wow. Your dad must have been pretty pissed. Yeah, he was. He was actually pissed for more than seven or eight years. Really? He was so
0: disappointed that you didn't take up the medical profession like him.
1: Neither the medical profession nor the engineering profession. Because in India, how things go, well, by the way, I'm from India, if you haven't figured out. In India, how things go is well. You either a, a you either go, go and become a doctor. The second best is go and become an engineer, and then the third best is uh, well, nothing. There's no third best. There's no third best.
0: You're either a doctor, engineer, or you're just a. Smart. You just
1: you just fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> in which case, in wow. which case, you try and sit all the multiple uh, exams to become a government employee in which there's multiple scales, and it's, uh, it's a reminder of the archaic British times, so uh, 10, I think, a million and a half people sit to get uh, employed uh, in, I think, 1,000 positions. So there's 1,000 uh, positions a year for those exams, which, you know, the third ranking the FACO people try and get uh, so there's one and a half million that give that each year, and there's only 1,000 positions. So for me, from my parents' perspective, doctor, no, engineer, doesn't want to do that. This, he can't do it. So I gotta
0: ask, is this, is this in Australia when you're going through this conversation, or are you... So this is back home in India. Wait, which, which part of India is it?
1: Uh, uh, this is uh, Punjab. Punjab. Oh, yeah. wow! So if you go onto Google and uh, Google the Seven Wonders of the World, one of them is the Golden Temple. It's literally made of gold. That's where I'm from. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah.
0: That's really amazing. So, why is why is the culture just just to just touch on this? Reflecting back, why is the culture like this, where the status of being a doctor, or the status of being an engineer? is so important in Indian culture? Why is that such a thing?
1: It's uh, it's because, you know, well, for one, I would, in my own thinking, I would say that developed countries, Australia, UK, and the US, are usually a generation ahead. And those thoughts and this egalitarian living that seeps in, but it takes time. It it takes a generation or more. And secondly, India's had a long, long history of, um, you know, feudal kings and different uh, empires within families. So that developed into what's called the caste system. And that is basically, say for example, a thousand years ago, if your dad uh, was a feudal landlord. Well, then he's, you're a landlord and there's a, a family name attached to your name and that exists to this day, a thousand years after that. And if you, my dad was a, worked as a carpenter or had a shop, well, a certain part- kind of family name was attached to him, attached to me, and a thousand years later, it still exists. And then what, does, what that's done is segregated these people up by whatever archaic work they did into their family names, and then they only marry within their, um, within their uh, you know, family name group. Right? So a landlord would only marry their kids to another landlord, and they would never accept to marry their kids to a, you know, someone who a thousand years ago had a shop, right? no matter if I'm more educated or not. So that divide has just persisted. And uh, that's you know, one of the reasons why it is rampant in inequality. Uh, and hence, uh, you know, if you, if you go back to my parents' generation in the 1980s, uh, education was limited. India wasn't an open economy; it was sort of socialist, and the government, the social government, they wanted to they taught well that we've got agriculture, next step up is manufacturing, and the next step up is services so. For manufacturing, we need engineers, and also we need doctors anyway. So they pushed down engineering on everyone. So they weren't, so my, at my parents' time, when they were my age, all that they could think of as a career is a doctor or engineer. And that's why they put that upon me as well. They never explored anything else. There, there was never anything else. So you were thinking
0: about this when you are like, year 10, what's that? You are like 16? Years old, or yeah,
1: something? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this I figured out over the years.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. So, you're you're having this conversation with your granddad at that age, and you're like, just this, this system's all fucked up. This doesn't make sense. Like, is that what your thought process was? Or
1: well, my thought process. There's another factor in there, and that is, you know, my dad's. Uh, as much as I hated him a few years ago, I quite love him. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> he's. Uh, a, Aside from being a doctor uh, full time, he's also been a part-time real estate investor, developer, and that, and a very successful one at that. So, uh, this conversation that I was having with him—that I don't want to do all of this doctor or engineering—I wanted to go commerce. That actually goes back a couple of years, yeah, and I remember this moment very well. Uh, school vacations, I'm lying on the bed, watching some shit cartoon, Japanese fucking cartoon. Right. <laughs> 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 right. Animate! And my granddad says to my dad, well, you know, you have a construction site and all of this and all of you know, so much stuff happening. Um, why don't you take him there so that he sees something else and, you know, get him to do something rather than just sit around and do nothing. So that's what my dad did. He, uh, he dragged me into his car you know, from when I was, from, uh, I was asleep, I, I very clearly remember this. He poured a jug of water on my head, dragged me into his car and said, I'm going to drop you off at the construction site where his, you know, his business was doing. They were building 35, I don't know, 40 homes. It was quite a big project for him. And he said, I'll pick you up uh, 12 hours later in the evening. So you just go and see things and he's the main head, head person. If you want anything, go and find him. So said, yeah, okay. Oh, played yeah. in the sand. I was in eighth grade, so that was 2008, I was 13. So, so I played in the sand, had a look around, did this and that, and, and then I started to like it. Well, this is better than animation, this is real life. So that's where I really, you know, so when I'm having this conversation with my dad, 10th grade, I'm really falling back upon, you know, all my experiences, thinking about the business and all of that stuff. And so he says, no. And then he says, no, you have to, if you don't want to be a doctor, okay, we get that. But second best engineer, third is fuck all, you gotta go for the engineer. Mm-hmm. Said, okay, if I do that, well, I can become a civil engineer, or construction related, something. That's acceptable to me. So two years, I was well, sort of choked and forced into doing that. And at the end of those two years, at the end of my year 12, a lot of things happened. The government, the local government changed. And how real estate works is there's lots of local regulations and rules. And uh, uh, the new government that that came in, uh, they just flipped the rules upside down overnight. And uh, it's just very funny how things work in India. Rules change. Then people complain. Then there's a commission. Then there's remediation and then by that time it's been 10 years and you start living with the rules what happens here is you, you know you have recommendation commission and this and that and then legislation no nah. <laughs> the other way around so they'll throw it at you, you bitch
0: yeah you yeah, yeah, out yeah, it. yeah 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 in India so you'll get the rule no matter what and then you just gotta say look this is a good rule it's not that bad and it's already been
1: like a couple oh no, no no, no. it's not like it's a good rule to say this is a rule we benefit from it, the government does, or the people who made the rule personally benefit from it, and you got to fucking suck it up. If you don't, wow. if you don't, we're going to take what you have. Wow. <laughs>
0: That's government politics in India.
1: Yes, it is. So that just made my dad's business model kaput. It wiped him out. It, it did, overnight. The, it, it, just, uh, it just made the whole thing not workable at all. So... Oh, wow. So that meant suddenly the life that I was thinking for myself, you know, studying civil engineering and perhaps, you know, later on studying commerce again and uh, getting into dad's business, expanding that because he's doing that part time. Right. Uh, I just blew up. It just, dis- it just disappeared. And it's it
0: just because it was so unstable. It was just, it just didn't well, give you it, confidence that that was the direction
1: to go. It, it's one of those left tail risks that exists in developing countries. Like uh, I had a, um, I, I, I was engaging with, uh, with an organisation, they've got an asset in a uh, developing country and over the past two years what's happened is I was having a conversation with them about some financing which is, which is uh, perhaps very beneficial for them on a Friday. Over the weekend news comes out and on, on the Monday, well, there's no more assets. The government's d- d- fucked up. They just do that. It's it's one of those left tail risks. It just things happen. So you, you just gotta suck it up. So sorry, that's mind blowing.
0: That's absolutely mind blowing. Like in Australia, if, if you have bought a property on a piece of land and landmark has, you know, made the titles made that pretty clear, that's the that's structured and you're name of that. It's it, like the legislation of what it would be to change any of that, it takes a while for that to go through. Parliament, but in India you're like, they'll drop that down based on whatever ruling, whatever legislation you got there, and then it just...
1: Legislation, regulation, uh, you know, uh, in, in a lot of cases if the regulation isn't in paper and in front of you explicit, it's implicit. Wow. You, you get told, you get a phone call, you get told, well, you remember this change of land use fee you paid to make this agricultural land into residential land? upon which you've already spent millions of dollars to build all of this. Well, we don't like it anymore. So that change of land use fee, on a back date, we're gonna change that to 15 times. So you pay that, or uh, you can see an excavator coming up your way. That'll demolish everything you've put in there. You just gotta do it.
0: Is this, is this isn't like, this is, vendetta of really anger, this is actually
1: true. This is a, yeah, this is, a, this is a true thing.
0: Wow. And My dad had to go through all of that. And your dad went through this and he's had some serious setbacks, but then you just like, I don't know if this is the life
1: for me. Oh, no, 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 I, I still had no choice. Oh, you still had to do this? I still had no choice, <laughs> so. So how, how did you go from that phase,
0: finishing school, to getting to Australia and, and all that?
1: So um, I'll cut a lot of the detail. Now. Yeah. Now, um, so what happened is uh, he said, "Well, civil engineering's off. To, uh, you know, it, it's it's not an option anymore. So, electro electronics engineering is a good one. A lot of people get jobs after that. You go and do that, and you got to go and do that in this university. It's a good university. You can get in and all of that. So, he put he, he sent me, you know, three thousand Ks away, and, uh, I'd never been away from home and all of that." A year in, I said, nah, this isn't for me. N- nah, totally not for me. I'd rather just then go to classes for this. I'd rather fucking sm- sit in the pothouse and just smoke all day. I just, nah. Nah. So I came back home, and that was a big stigma for my family to deal with, and, and myself as well. And then uh, a few months after that, it's been quite a bit of a blur, and I had severe mental health issues after that. So by this time what had happened in the background was that kaput business model was troubling a lot for my dad and the liabilities, well essentially he was bankrupt right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you can't say because you've got uh, you know, things involved and if you do you lose everything and so lots of complexity. So I've got an aunt who lives here, she's a doctor as well, <laughs> go figure. Family doctors. Okay. So, <laughs> Uh, wow. And she, she's got a really good life and all of that. And my dad got inspired by that and said, well, I'm a doctor too. I do all of this in my part time. Um, I can go to Australia too. And just leave all of this in my, in my past. I don't want to be like a crab. You know what crabs do when you put four or five crabs in a bucket? As soon as one of them try, is able to get out, the other one's put them back down.
0: Ah, oh, the crab. In the, okay, that's it. So Is that an analogy in India, crab,
1: the crab? It's actually a Filipino analogy, oh, okay. <laughs> which, okay. I, which I picked up in a pub. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, that's how he felt and he just wanted to get out of there. So, um, he said to me, well, despite, apart from him, I was the only one who knew where, I didn't know where all the puzzle uh, pieces fit, but I, but I knew what the pieces were and all of that, right? and if he wasn't there to manage the stuff, I was the only one to know what to do and how to do it, and even take guidance or instructions and be able to do it. So that meant that... Um, while so I've come back from university, I've dropped out, this is my bachelor's degree, I've enrolled into an online or a correspondence space, so an online distance learning degree, right? And I'm sitting at home, I'm depressed and I'm not happy, and then he goes, okay. I've got to go and make a future for ourselves. I don't want to deal with these liabilities for the next ten years of my life. I want to be done with them now. And this future is the way we're going to go. So and the future I've got was a, Australia. Australia. Yeah. So so then he's got to study for some exams that he's got to give to tell the Australian authorities. Well, you know, I'm a doctor in India, but now I'm a doctor in Australia. So to to accumulate you know, to, to make part of the equivalent. He had equivalent. to do his seven. He had to, he had go to do through. the English. He had to do... He had to actually pick up his doctor books again. Oh. Study. Give those exams. So he, he ended up giving four doctor exams. Just smashed them off. Yeah, he just smashed them off. And they're they like... That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. He, he's uh, he, a really
0: smart guy. Just...
1: Uh... And he did that when he was 45, right? Uh, to pick up the books and this is something which, uh, you know, to become a doctor in Australia. An Australian graduate does two degrees, right, so this is equivalent to doing that second degree. He did that at 45 while also working and having all of those troubles at the back of his head and people ringing him and saying, oh, we'll fucking kill you if you don't return our money or stuff like that.
0: While going all through this trial, While he's also
1: bankrupt. (laughs) Wow, that is so, that's
0: quite intense.
1: So he left all of that bankruptcy piece, and uh, the well, we, we never had to go through that. We, you know, essentially on paper, I, I would say my assessment was that you know we we've got to deal with this deal with this as we're bankrupt. So I had to go through all of the mess for about two years. Make sure legal liabilities are all dealt with and all of what, that stuff. What
0: year was this that this all? This is 2015. So. It's 2015. So this yeah. is now
1: 2015, and um, it, all this while I've got my own troubles. I don't speak with my mom at all. I, I, I rarely speak with my dad. Only when you know I've got to ask him what to do and mm. stuff like this. And where do I get this money? Where do I give that money? It's it was all you know.
0: So you were like running a business with your dad while trying to deal with all these. Issues in the business that you that legislation and probably some family bad calls were made. <laughs> and while your dad looks and sets up to get his visa for yep. a doctor position in Australia. Yep, yep.
1: Wow. And then there was, and then in, 20, in late 2015, he left for Australia, and then, and then I was alone to, uh, you know, finish up whatever mess we had. Uh, I just had to tie it up such that there's no possible legal liabilities. There's places where you've you got to...
0: How old were you when I mean, this was all going on?
1: I was 20... I was 20 years old.
0: You're 20 years old and you have that kind of responsibility on you.
1: Yeah, there's, there's lots of things that I did, which at that time created what's called cognitive dissonance, where you know, you've learnt some values, but what you've done, conflict with those values, and then you've got to live with it. So, it was a very hard time for me, and it took me three years after that to realise what I've done and why I've done it. I had to do lots of things, you know, at, and at times, you have to go and think, okay, I've got this sum of money, these people, the labourers that I employ, they're the lowest... At the social Yes, they're the yes. lowest... At of the 20 socio- years old, you got staff. Holy shit. Uh, these are the lowest socio-economic people you can ever find, right? And yeah, if I, I've got right. to pay them today, they're waiting for me. Yeah. If they don't have money, they don't have food. It's straight as. So if I go and give them the money, pay them, well then, I won't have money to get this paint supply or this thing or that thing. And then what will happen is that I won't be able to do this thing. That means this money won't come in, and that means this liability won't get paid off, and that means this person who's threatened me with a, with a police complaint, a, crim- a criminal complaint, Will not happen, and that means when I apply for my Australian visa, I, I will not get that. So, okay. Shit. I can't pay these low socioeconomic people if, if, who don't have money for food. So, how do I deal with this? At 20. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a lot of stress for a 20 20- year Dude, do you know how many 20 year olds I know here in Australia that don't even have? that kind of depth of knowledge of business because they're too busy playing fucking video games and just chilling on their ass. That's so impressive. I I just have to say, JD. that's, I admire the fact that you had to go. Now look, under circumstances, that's that's a lot of pressure for a young individual, but I could understand at least you had the opportunity to have such exposure at such a young age, uh, where I know so many wouldn't have the opportunity In saying that, it's a kind of a shit situation. Yes, it is. It's a shit situation you're in. That you have to like, dad just drops this mess on you because he trusts you enough while he goes and tries and sets the family up in an entirely foreign country. And he's by
1: himself, he's by himself for a year. Yeah, wow.
0: You're going through this process. What what, what happened from there?
1: Well, uh, things went Well, to okay ish um, and somewhere in the meantime I gave my aisles and all of that, and uh, when I gave that I also uh, taught other people, uh, you know, when they were going to sit for their aisles. I was an English teacher in between that for for a couple of months to make my own pocket money because, well, while money was coming in, it was also going out, I had no money yeah uh yeah. so family god <laughs> sorry uh, and that, that, that was actually a good thing as well that was my first job ever okay. um i made 200 bucks a month <laughs> awesome
0: i know it sounds like poverty rights is is going to be calling our door but i yeah for india i could imagine yeah
1: so from there uh, i land here on the fifth of on the sixth of september 2016 As five years yesterday. Um, And even when I was trying to convince my dad and my family to, you know, okay, let me go to Australia. What they were going through their heads is, well, for for a long time, he's sort of been like a liability Mm -hmm. where, you know, he's going through depression and all of this and then, yes, you know, he's got to deal with the business and all of that, but um, we're not sure of his capabilities. You know, we don't have confidence in him. So, so people would come up and say, "Well, a, a liability is easier to maintain in India uh, rather than maintaining it in, Australia, in, in Australian dollars, right?" So uh, India is much cheaper than Australia. So people would come up and say that, and you know, I would listen and uh, I would have to live with that. But um, when I came here, my dad asked me, "What, what would I do?" You know. My family is quite respected back in India, and uh, what, what would they tell other people? that like What have I gone to Australia to do? Clean toilets, mop floors, what? said, well, I don't fucking care. I'm mm. I mean in this deep, 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 deep shit in environment, and also deep, deep, deep shit head space, right? And I'm seeing a psychiatrist and all of that, yeah, and... Um, and then I, I, this one day I read a newspaper article which uh, said uh, there was this real uh, well-known political figure, his brother committed suicide. And he says in the news article that, uh, you know, my brother had severe depression for 10 years, and he had treatment, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he got a pistol and killed himself. Well, uh, this is India? Yeah, this is India. Yeah, wow. And I think to myself, well, if I look back, and this is sort of going into mental health issues, if I look back, I haven't been, I, I don't remember being happy since, well, year eight or year nine. I had no friends, mm-hmm. uh, literally no friends that I could trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this was from, t- in 2015 I'm looking back thinking seven years I've, I haven't been happy. So by that analogy in the newspaper article, I've only got three more years until I fucking kill myself. So. That's not the future I want for myself. Mm. I've got to change stuff. Mm. And to, for that to happen, well, I've got to change my environment first. That's the easiest way to change stuff. And that's how I convinced my parents to allow me to buy a ticket to come to Australia.
0: So glad you're here, Jaideep. So glad you're
1: here. So when I get here, uh, I, you know, as all Indians do, I ended up at a petrol station. <laughs> 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 As a Come casual. on, get
0: at a petrol Okay, okay,
1: okay. This was a Woolworths uh, one. Wow. Uh, a, a few kilometres outside of the city and... Um, that's where you um, started here Yeah, that's where, I, that's, that's where I started and, I, and I, t- I said to myself, well, forget about the past. All my life, uh, I've, uh, I've been... Well, I've been critically assessing things and I think I'm, okay, I'm analytical and all of that and I know how to take building blocks and by trial and error put them together. So if I'm to have a successful life in Australia, what's the building blocks for that? Well, I've got to understand the Australian culture, the way of life, yes. I've got to engage with Aussies and not fucking Indians just like me. Well, that just means that I'll be living in little India in Perth. I don't want to do that. I'm not that kind of a person, right? I, I want to engage and learn and grow. So w- working at a petrol station would be great because well, A, I'd be serving lots of people. Two, I'd be conversing with them. And three, I'd be working with Aussies. So it ticks all of the boxes, right? I, I'll, I'll gain that building block, which I need to put up my tower, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, so I did that for a few, I did that for, I think, Six months and I became part-time and uh, I-, I would go and uh, even on my days off, when I don't get paid, voluntarily go and learn things. People would laugh at me and go, why oh, are you fucking mad? You don't get paid for that. Why who do you would, go? Who would,
0: uh, get a, who would tease you about learning something? Who would who are they?
1: other people from you know the same community the same from india, yeah somewhere. from india and from those parts and you know usually they would come here on a student visa and they've got other things to do they've got to, you know have enough money to pay their fees and stuff like that and they've got student loans so they're not looking to you know uh, take a step back to make a leap forward Mm, right. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're actually struggling with day-to-day life, so a, a lot of times they're not able to see the, uh, why you put in time and effort for learning.
0: Amazing.
1: So all the time it was for me, you know, take a step back to leap, leap, leap in front. And um, So from all of the, the going in voluntarily and learning stuff, had a good repo and all of that, so suddenly I had to go back to India to give... The exams for that distance learning degree I was doing. Uh, and I did that, and then when I came back, Woolworths needed a manager, a relief manager for their petrol station in Kalgoorlie. And uh, Kal- right, Kool- at, <laughs> right at the time, there was a very famous uh, incident. It was quite. Uh, the media had splashed it up quite a lot. It was uh, it was a Aboriginal boy um, who had been chased by uh, uh, someone, and uh, he ended up getting uh, killed. Yeah, yeah. I remember that yeah, article. Yeah, yeah, yes. And it really riled
0: up the community. I yes, it, it, it
1: did. And Kalgoorlie's full of full. It's uh, Kalgoor, yeah. Kalgoor is, You know, there's lots of uh, Aboriginals. Yeah and um so there was there were protests there and no one wanted to go and i said well i see those protests those are peaceful what have they got to do with me right uh, i well i actually support their cause mm.
0: and i've always
1: yeah I, and i've always thought you know from the day that i landed in it and I don't, uh, when you think about australia you think white australia you, you never think you know yeah, uh, first to. Nation Australia. So, um, the time from the first time I landed here, I started going out to pubs and cl- you know not clubs, pubs and taverns to you know make friends with Aussies and and one of the first thoughts that actually came to my head about Aboriginals and what the government is doing with them is that you've got and and I, I and and uh, you know. Th- some some people might get offended by this analogy, but um, you've got a collective mindset in a group of people which is similar to where you know the Westerners were 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, uh, more than 2,000 years ago, right? At 1,000 years before Christ uh, there was no God uh, in a deity or in a, in a book Uh, We used to preach and pray animals because, you know, the bird could fly and we can't and all of that stuff. So, and that's that's the Aboriginal culture, right? The the emu and the kangaroo and the Milky Way galaxy and the snake and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, how do you take someone with a collective mindset that is 3,000 years prior to where you're from, where you are at, and say, Oh, we're picking you up 3,000 years in the the future and here's 200 bucks by the way, spend it wisely. This doesn't work. How how do you expect that to work? I mean, we've got our collective understanding of money from the barter system and the money and the first money was the florentine and that was 1400s. We've got 700 years of coins and money and understanding of that and passing down from generation to generation. They haven't.
0: Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about because I grew, like I, I did my high schooling in Tom Price, uh, which is another very large Aboriginal community. I, I actually like Aboriginal people a lot. The, the native ones that live in still their native land yes. because they still have a connection to the land. They still adhere to cultural standards. Now like every culture it's not perfect there are challenges with them, but the ones I grew up with and went to school with and and, and have respect for the families that are still there and there is there isn't a there 's a, there's an approach to trying to address the needs towards education and then there's also addressing the respect of where their family members have come from and uh, adhering to practices that they still Want to keep which is their culture alive, and that's understandable. You know, uh, English Australians also have their culture. Indian Australians, Greeks, Italians—they all have a different structure. Usually, comes around food. Mm -hmm. Food usually (laughs) brings culture together. (laughs) So, obviously, the Aboriginals have their way cooking up the the dampers, yes. Yeah, damper, kangaroo tail, guana. Getting out all nice and fresh off the, off the smoking coals and just having a chew, and and I and I get what you're saying, and you're right. There is a challenge with that. So you're in, um, you're, you you end up going to Kalgoorlie. Yes, I did. So you went to Kalgoorlie and you're you're conversing with these amazing people, you're building relationships, you're you're expanding yourself away from just the culture you grew up with. That's actually I have respect for that because. To, to leave your culture, the safest thing is usually, and I know lots of Chinese people, lots of Singaporeans, lots of Malaysians, lots of Indonesians that come to Australia and they stick with their culture because it's comfortable and safe, and they keep a monoculture attitude, yes. as I call it, and that monoculture attitude only has a limited insight to the diversity of wealth that's around them, but they, because it's foreign, they usually don't engage with it, and then they'll take their experience of living in another country and go back home with a sense of um, hopefully enlightenment to what they can advance in their own careers back home. So you're like expanding outside of that pulling away seeing what's new and so what happened what did you coming back from there did
1: you how long did you stay in Kogoli? So uh, I wasn't there for too long it was about I think 2 months and Oh, 3 uh, months. Okay.
0: You're there for 2 months and then where are you could nick
1: off to? Uh, and even in Kalgoorlie, I got a car, uh, a hotel, hundred bucks a day for food. I was like, fuck, this is great. Mm, <laughs> it's a step up. And I went out, to, uh, you know, went to the visitor center and went out with some elders on their uh, weekend, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, fine and uh, had the kangaroo tail. For the first time, as you do, yeah.
0: Yeah, a bit <laughs> That's of an experience. Burnt and crispy, <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an experience, but the dampers are great.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, I put on lots of photos on the work Facebook, and everyone now wants to go to, uh, to Kalgoorlie and all of that stuff. So I done my job, and uh, I came back. Uh, they said, "Well, you pick where you want to work. We'll make you part of the management team." I said, "Yeah, okay, fine. I want to work with this guy." So there's no position there, but we can create one for you. So uh, I become a trainee manager, and I did that for, I think, another year, yep, another year. While doing that, I saved up some money. Uh, Put that in the stock market, and I realized, well, I don't understand enough about this uh, to do this. So. Hang on a second. You say that so casually.
0: I just throw this money in the stock market. Hell, where where did that? What made you? I mean, you've okay, you've done all this confidence building with your crazy, crazy business that you had back in with your family in India. You're you're now like running your own ship. You you, you start getting some money. You start looking at stocks. Yes. Were you looking at stocks when you're in? Uh, Kalgoorlie? Wait, like no, 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 no,
1: that... no, not, not exactly. Uh, it's um, one of my uncles, who, by the way, is already here. In Australia, he lives in Melbourne. Uh, he made some money in stocks. And uh, at that time, the, you know, the uh, bank rates, the uh, CD rates were, I, I don't know, one and a half or something. And my dad had some money piling up because he's, you know, he didn't know what to do. He's new here. And he hasn't got time to understand investments and all that. And while he knows stuff back home, he doesn't know anything yet. So he asked me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I looked into it. And uh, um, I had a few ideas. I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of... Ne- I remember there was uh, a lot of bad ne- negative news reaction on, on Harvey Norman because Amazon said we're going to come into Australia. And I thought, well, yeah, they've said that, but it, it, it takes fucking six months. They're not going to come tomorrow. It's not a fucking, they're not taking Harvey Norman's revenue tomorrow. It's just going to take some time, so why do the negative share price? We should buy this. <laughs> so I discussed that with my uncle, and he said, well, this is a good idea, and then he told me some tricks. I said, okay, I'll apply those tricks, and then I thought, well, yeah, these tricks are good. I don't understand how they work. So that's when I thought, well, I don't understand this, and, you know, I am analytical. I've established that. I've regained my confidence. I've got a couple of building blocks that I wanted to and I know I can study. I've got a bit of that pedigree. Let's go to university. Let's go back and do it properly because I haven't done a degree. I I didn't do my bachelor degrees like everyone else does, go to university, live there and all of that. No, I didn't do it properly. So I, I tell my dad I want to do a master's in finance and this is the degree I want to do and he goes. Well, at that time, we were not residents. We were still on a visa. So the question was, well, if you do this degree, how will you become a resident? How do you become a, a citizen? I said, well, this, this this, or that way, but I don't know. I'll figure it out. He said, no, I've got a clinic. I've got a GP surgery. If you do this, this diploma or degree, then you can work with me, or I can get you a job within the healthcare sector and that will get you your residency. I said, no, I've seen this movie before. (laughs) We did that back in the Yes. I
0: know where you're going. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. No.
1: I don't want to do that. He says, well, I don't want to pay your fees. I said, okay. Oh, wow. So I had some money saved up. I paid for my first semester. And during my first semester, that was full time because I was on a visa. And I worked what, full what time. Uni,
0: what university did you choose? Uh,
1: Curtin. You had to pay for your own
0: Curtin degree.
1: I, I would have liked to go to UWA, but it was uh, ninety-three thousand, and Curtin was altogether—I don't know—sixty something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Bloody idiot. And I lived
1: in Mandra, so UWA was another twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So Far um, out. okay. Yeah. Bloody
1: hell! Bloody hell! Okay. So the first semester was full time four units and my job was full-time and this is a master's degree so your classes are in the evening and all of that stuff so and so basically I was living on the freeway and uh, I realised I'm better off putting a mattress in the back of my truck (laughs) which is what I did Um, and I went through that and I I did okay enough or good enough to have confidence in myself that I will not drop out of this degree because, again, I had you know two degrees and first I dropped out, second I didn't do it properly and all of that. Um, so paid for my second semester fees and in the meantime, some of the money I had saved up. Again, the CD rates are fuck all, right? I don't want to put it, put it in there. And I, I, I have a passion for cars and I'd grown up watching Top Gear and then I'd grown up watching, uh, you know, there's this car show where people buy cars and fix it and they sell it and i said well i can do that too i want to give it a go what will i lose if i lose well then i'll have to sell my soul to the devil and go to my dad and ask for money which is something i can do and a lot of people can't so if i'm okay with that risk i can if i'm okay with that outcome i'm okay to taking a risk here so i go to an auction and buy two cars <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, mind you, uh, when I went to Kalgoorlie, I was less than a year in this country. And when I went to go to the auction and buy cars, I'm just about a year and a half in this country. And I've, everything that I've learned, I've learned that from a pub. From a pub? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, um, long story short, uh, I have the cars for a couple of months and then I buy another one. I get it on the cheap from a mutual contact. Uh, and I make some money and by selling those cars and keeping the worst of them which is actually you know the most basic of them which is why I drive that little tray top ute. Um, I was able to pay my fees for the of second you? semester so that's
0: how you paid so you paid your degree not off all by car. well your semester fees by selling cars
1: so you're you buying and selling cars uh, only three. That's and very... I mean,
0: it's not an e-commerce business, but the concept of entrepreneurship is stupidly insane. Stupidly insane. Like, the amount... But this is... Australians have a very comfortable lifestyle. I, my lifestyle of growing up is nothing like yours. Absolutely nothing like yours. But my adoration and respect for what you've had to do to get what you've got so far is, is insane. Like, I had the pleasure and luxury of just having a hex debt. And I know that my hex debt would just sit on my back for 10 years until I achieved a revenue of income that could sustain a, uh, a payment back to that hex debt. You, you're like buying secondhand cars to sell because they're like, I want my money now, bitch. You got to pay me.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Like, that's not, not everyone had the, yes, you had your father and you could go back. That's why I could take risks, yes. But you just like, yeah, no, I'm going to go my way. Quite, quite stubborn you are, but okay. Uh So what happened? So you paid off a couple?
1: semesters doing this process what happened then so um, yeah it was important buying and selling those cars because then I could pay off another semester and that semester I actually wanted to to leave my full-time job and only and move to Curtin University stop fucking going up and down the freeway wasting uh, two hours a day and just focus on myself and my studies and more so you know myself and get myself properly out of the, the you know mental trauma and stress and depression.
0: Yeah, look, doing, okay, so doing this, buying and selling cars, trying to study at the same time, doing a full-time job, that's a lot of pressure for an individual, like, you what, you're 23?
1: Yeah, I was 23, yeah. Yeah, you're
0: 23 years old, man, like, yeah, I don't know many 23-year-olds that sort of go under that kind of stress. So, what, are you,
1: and Couldn't you just
0: get a transfer with the job into another placement? Like if they were offering you at Mandra, was that an option for you, or you just thought? Well, well
1: there was uh, an option, but by that time, the you know the, the state management already knew that I was in a full time degree, so that they thought, well, this guy's not going to be with us long term, right? He's not uh, studying a degree to work at a petrol station,
0: right? Yeah. So they stopped committing long term focus with you,
1: yeah, knowing yeah. that this is yeah. the future you want yeah. to be for, and uh, and you know again. Um, which is fair. Where I was, I had created, you know, a good environment, which which I supported them and they supported me, such that I could do a full-time degree. So there's lots of um, sort of inefficiencies or synergies that you find and exploit to make it all happen, mm. and nothing goes to plan, so you just fucking roll with the punches.
0: Okay. There's a story there, but we won't dive into that one. So. So you're going, through, you're going through this degree, you end up coming to Perth and you're settling things down here and how's it going from there?
1: So things have been good, I mean I finished the degree, mid uh, degree I, I got my residency so that meant a lot of that pressure was off because some of the requirements of me as a visa holder uh, were, not, uh, were done with. So I you jumped ha- on a hex structure. Then no, no, I couldn't do that. Uh, oh, but you're a citizen, so you- no. The, after residency, the citizenship comes. Oh, you know, sorry, PR, that. PR, yes, right, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I went to part time. I, w- I went to studying part time, and uh, and then that's when I decided. Okay, you know, I I want to know more. This degree is good, but it's not good enough. At the end, that's where I'm. At. That's where I've, I found myself. And there's something called a CFA, it's a Chartered Financial Analyst. It's a designation and uh, you know, it's uh, quite revered, it's, it's quite tough. Um, and I thought, well, okay. Um, if I was, you know, my peers, my friends, they would take on stuff like this. And I've lost my confidence, I've lost myself, I've had bad years and now I'm coming back up. So, you know, now I'm ready to give this a go. Now I think I can go and give this a go. And a partner helped me quite a lot in, in, you know, in doing that. So I learned part-time university. Uh, started studying for the CFI designation. And, uh, uh, and when I was done with university, uh, I got an internship. Uh, and um, from that internship, it got co- I converted that into a position, uh, an analyst. And the stuff was very interesting. This was at the investment bank that I'm at now. And uh, what investment bank is this? So this is uh, Blue Mounts Capital. Blue Mounts Capital, cool. And uh, I'll go in a, a bit about them. And uh, yeah, so, you know, they appreciate my viewpoints. So, you know, I'm able to put forth what I think, articulate stuff or whatever, you know. Uh, And uh, they say, well, you know, it's this. This is a bit more than your normal fresh out of university uh, guy who's who doesn't want to say things because he he, he's anxious or whatever, right? So, um, and then because I network and I like talking and meeting new people, I was able to bring in some business opportunities to consider, right? And they thought, wow, this is great, and uh, these are credible business opportunities to consider it's a different story that you know some of them didn't happen but um, so they said well you're doing good and we like you so we'll bump you up to uh, an associate so that's where i am now and uh, Blue Mountain capital well they're a mid-market capital markets firm so when i say mid-market i mean not the top not the bottom in the middle and capital markets is uh, Well, that's investments, right? So everyone knows the stock market. Uh, The stock market is actually what's. If I put that in a classification, that's called equity capital markets, right? Because so, for example, you have a company. A company has some sources of finance, right? Everything that 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 the company has, uh, all the assets, they have to be. So some, they come out of something, right? So for, so for example, you have a company and you take your laptop and work for that company. Well, that laptop is now an asset of the company and it's financed by equity, you know, the money that you spent to buy that laptop, right? So yeah, easy concept. Uh, and now your company is expanding, so it goes on to the bank and uh, gets some debt to buy another laptop. Right? So one laptop is equity, one laptop is debt. So there's two sources of capital, equity and debt. So there's an equity capital market, and there's a debt capital market. That's it. And you work in both of those markets? So we, so we, we, we work in both of those, and uh, it's, uh, it's what in the industry is called a generalist firm. We're not specialised, although we have our uh, you know, specialised regions within different offices. So we've got offices around Australia. Um, And uh, off lately, what I've been working on quite deeply is in the debt capital markets. Um, uh, So for example, for a small company, it goes to a bank to get some loan. Uh, For a large company, uh, a bank may not want to lend to that company the full amount of whatever it wants, right? Just because there's risk limits to the bank and stuff like that.
0: So just to just to catch here what you're saying, so you're you're at Blue Mountain Capital and you've got deck equity, debt equity and debt equity. You know, no, 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 no. wait, equity market and debt equity.
1: Equity market and debt
0: market. Okay, sorry, equity market, I'm a bit of a dumbass. So there's equity market and there's debt markets and so debt markets is where like you said I go out and I want to set up a loan I could go to a bank I would file my profit and loss statement I'll file my my last couple years of transactions uh, my last couple years of P&L's and then I would go um, and show them my um, if I have outstanding debts for the ATO for my best statements they will make an assessment if I am qualified to take whatever that amount is. Usually that amount can be anywhere from 100,000 to 300,000 happy days. Loan will be approved, serviceability is done, and plus their interest on top. So that's, but you're saying there's another part of that that you're in. What is
1: that part? So that part is, uh, let's take the example of um, Woolworths. Okay. Okay. So you would think Woolworths is such a big company, everyone understands what it does. If Woolworths needs debt, you would go to a bank, right? Uh, And there's four banks, four large banks, and you say, okay, there's 10 banks in Australia, right? Uh, All 10 of them have made loans to IGA, all 10 of them have made loans to Coles, all 10 of them have made loans to Woolworths and smaller grocery shops as well. Now Woolworth says, well, we want to actually buy another grocery. We want to go and buy Asda. Right? And we need debt, So, for example. And they go to Combank and say, we need uh, 10 billion of debt. We want to b- go and buy Asda. Well, Combank will say, of all the money that we are loaning people, we've already given the grocery sector 10%. Our risk limit is 10%, so we can't give you money. So then Woolworths has to go and find that debt somewhere else. So rather than going to an institution which you know, is regulated by s- some policies and is in a box, they can go to investors, the whole wild world, the wild, you know, the, the wild world of investors, where some of them have a box that they have to fit their investments into, some of them don't you go out to the investors and say well we want that this is what we are willing to offer here are all the documents you study it and you tell if you want it or not if you're willing to give us the money or not so it's just a straight up it's almost like a pitch deck
0: but it's showing the it's opportunity quite detailed. of is it what did you call
1: it um, it's called an information investment memorandum investment memorandum yes yeah yeah right. they did different words but usually it goes for im im yes. yeah i've heard of those yes
0: and so, i i I was asked to actually do an IM. I've heard of information memorandum, investment memorandum. It's an IM, okay. So under an IM, which you you're the one who's usually helping create these documents, or you're oh, like I'm usually
1: creating them, yes.
0: Yeah, oh, that's There's that's a lot quite of cut and paste. There's <laughs> yeah. there's
1: a lot of cut and paste, and there's multiple parties to this: the company, the lawyers, some mm. other lawyers. Lots of things.
0: So, what's the difference between a pitch deck and an information, mem- an investment memorandum? What's it? What's the core difference between the two?
1: So, a pitch deck is some. A pitch deck is usually a public document. Mm-hmm. Usually, uh, you can have it under NDA as well, where you don't want to share all of it. Uh, and an IM is a very detailed document, and it is only shared after a non-disclosure agreement. DIM actually has the guts of it. It's very dense, so someone reading DIM can't straight away understand what you do and how you do your business. But for, for example, if Keepspace wants to raise equity, right? Uh, the pitch deck would be high level about the business, about the people involved, what the business model is about, uh, the industry, uh, potential growth opportunities, growth rates, High-level gra- one or two graphs about profit- profitability and uh, mm. you know some pictures and illustrations. Yeah, uh, twenty slides, good it's enough. The average. Yeah yeah, be, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. So it, it, a pitch deck is like a business case. Yeah, you know, mm. uh, not high-level, no detail at all, at all. And and, and it's
0: usually made like a pitch deck is usually made to create excitement, interest to set the
1: conversation? So, uh, again, I'm going to say something, I'm going to use an analogy, yeah, which, okay. uh, which you know <laughs> some people might find uh, a bit offending, but I've picked this up from an old person, okay, right? sure. hence uh, in my conscience I can attribute it to them, it's not my fault, <laughs> okay? So, very I, very <laughs> so for marketing and investment, there's two documents, a teaser, uh, a pitch deck, you know, which is initially to market investment. and. A teaser is just that—a teaser. When a gir- when a, a nice girl, has got a skirt on, give it a bit of a, t- give a bit of a tease, right? That—that's, it's you know, you pull it up above your knees. That's, so that's a teaser, right? Okay. And a, a a a pitch deck is uh, you sort of swirl around, sh- give a bit of a tease of the back, a bit of a tease of the neck, a bit of a pout, right? And so the blow comes to you. So that's, I'm using someone else's analogy, right?
0: There are females that will definitely
1: be watching this. So, female founders,
0: but anyway, okay, so.
1: Don't sideline me, don't don't pepper spray me. Okay,
0: so in in your analogy you're saying is, yeah, pitch deck is mostly just to get the conversation started, but the information memorandum is more, more depth of that
1: The information is memorandum is, is, within that analogy, the information memorandum is what you tell your boyfriend. Yeah,
0: right, I see, I see. So then, you're creating these documents, which I could imagine be quite time consuming.
1: Yes, um, yes, I mean, IM's take, so for example, a I, I teaser, it's very important in a teaser to actually get the narrative, and the main bits right because what can end up happening is that you can create a teaser which is too broad and then the investors that get to see it they don't know what this is for and because they get, if if they're a good investor right they'll get lots of these teasers every day mm-hmm. they've then got to see okay is this worth our time because this is a knowledge industry is this worth our time to dig into this or not. So if your teaser is too narrow, it may be niche. If your teaser is too broad, well then the people would think, well, how to think about this or what to do here. There's another one. I'll put this in this poll, There's the next one? Right. So,
0: it's very similar to government grants. You get heaps of government grants, you gotta go through them and you literally just, if they don't grab them in the first five minutes, in the bin
1: it's a, it's oh. a, it's, a, it's a marketing document yeah. right yeah, yeah. Uh, and so alongside the teaser the, te- the teaser is uh is a public document you know if you want more more eyes to see it it can't be uh, uh, you know upon an nda no it's just uh, not uh, yeah
0: so you're you're going through this process you're writing these up and because you're working in the investment space there is there's a lot of interest and intrigue towards founders who like to have investors that are founder friendly as they would say um, but it seems to be oh sorry i don't mean to go off tangent here but my point is like is it, and this is where you're at now you're working through the space you're working with blue mountain and and how's how is that environment like now like how's that
1: well it's um, you know it's a, it's a, it's an intense uh, industry uh, there's lots of deals and you know when you get something done that's a deal so you know the, the industry jargon is deals and there's, there's lots of deals around waiting to happen uh, just because the equity markets the stock markets are doing well and that means uh, if you need money the investors are willing to give you money and stuff like that so Uh, There's lots happening in the market and uh, where we are at in Western Australia, it's a mineral rich state Mm. and uh, commodity prices, they have a a cycle. Uh, If you ever studied economics, you you would have known about a business cycle, each business or each sector has its own cycle. The commodities have a cycle which uh, does this for a long time and then does this for some time, so it seems like we're in here. We're in the top. So, lots happening in the WA market as well.
0: So, we covered a little bit on debt equity where... Debt markets, sorry. God, I keep backing up. So there's, because I don't know this space. So, Alright, so debt market is like, you go for a loan, if you can't get a loan because they max out the percentage of what they consider as the risk for the banks, then they go to investors to be able to try and take the debt and they use information memorandums to begin the conversation and then contracts are probably established after that
1: yes teasers and pitch decks to establish uh, to start the conversation and then information memorandum for the ones who say yes we want to have a look under the hood and then if they go through that then it's a term sheet uh, yes yeah. yeah, so the usually an information memorandum. so that's where equity and uh, that sort of differ, right? Mm. In equity, you're usually looking for, sometimes you're looking for a number of investors, sometimes you're looking for a investor. When you're looking for a number of investors, uh, you have to structure the term sheet first, and that's that's within the IMD, the Information Investment Memorandum. Uh, so there isn't a separate term sheet for each investor. When you have products, which are for a number of investors, when you're looking for one, uh, investor, well, then they'll negotiate with you. That's-
0: so, so okay. So, still trying to get my head around this. So you've got the the debt market to be able to just get a debt, which is I'm assuming they will take security of something within the business. Yes. To be able to then state the amount will be given based on an interest rate term frame. Off you go, That transaction's done, commission fees given back to the guy who organized it all.
1: Pretty straightforward. straightforward.
0: So then on the equity side, that sounds more like uh, when you're doing a crowd fund arrangement or if you're doing um, a straight up, you're doing more of a pitch deck and you're gonna be offering shares and there is a term sheet after the IM for that, which constructs, but you're saying the term sheet is from the actual company. I usually thought term sheets were from
1: The investor. So, again, it it depends where do you sit. What kind of investment do you want? So, for example, um, when you are say, for example, if you are crowdfunding, right, Mm -hmm. you put out some terms. You say this is you know this is the boundaries that we want to play in, right. And then people who like that or who like you, they'll say, okay, you know, these are the boundaries we can play in, we like that, let's talk. But if, you are, if, you're, small, if, you, if you're a startup and you go to a VC, uh, you can't dictate terms because uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a negotiation, a term sheet is a negotiation. Mm. Uh, it's no different than having a term sheet in some contract. Mm. So it's a negotiation. If you're negotiating with one party, well, then there's more of a negotiation. If you, if you are one and others are 50, and you're larger than them, there's no negotiation.
0: I'm so glad we're talking about this, because this is probably wake up soon. Now, I, I, when we met, just for everyone to know, we met at, I did a pitch presentation at a place where, in all honesty, I was fucking around. I just, <laughs> I put well, That's up, why I asked you, what yeah. the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I got some friends that asked, why don't you pitch keep space at this event and just see where it lands? And we did, and we, we kind of looked a bit out of place. Like It was more like startups presenting, and then we were a bit more uh, down the road, as you would say.
1: But very uh, very startup, 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 startup. So you can say startup to the third degree. Yeah. <laughs> you but know that. Were
0: like, yeah, a bit further down that space. And so then, knowing that you've been in this and you've been building a network, I've always found it very interesting to see the the mindset of investors in the equity side, their expectations, and what that looks like for uh, founders and early stage CEOs and directors who have a love for the business, have a passion for what they're trying to do, trying to bring a product to market, trying to create something that they care about into the world and then they enter into this space which you are very well aware of they don't have enough coin and they got to make a way to make it work and they enter into these discussions where they share hey why don't you try to raise money why don't you try and get an investment why don't you try and um, maybe set something up and so we I know so many of my friends that went through this process and they're like all right we're gonna do a pitch presentation we're gonna we're gonna Talk to the market, we're gonna try and raise capital, and they enter into this capital world. And when the ones who I had known that entered into this capital world back in 2015, 2014, 2016, that kind of time frame, like and I have conversations with them today, and I asked them, all right, you were really successful, you were on Shark Tank, you were you got uh, funds from Perf Angel Group, you got Funds by a private uh, investor, you you went through this. the The conversation has commonly commonly been not all of them, but just commonly has been if I were to go back in time and do it again, I would have not taken the investment because it added complexities, it added dramas, it, it added difficulties. the The stress that they put on the business, based on our current size, was too heavy. the the um, The f- amount of discussions I had to have with the shareholders over actually building a business was too many and and it was it was a very interesting process to look at since 2016 to today so being someone who's on the other side and you, I'm I know you're working in investment firm but what's your what's your thoughts on this this is just what I've heard from a founder side but from a um, someone who works as an analysis with the Investor sides. What, what did you? What's your thoughts on that?
1: So, it's a very common thing. And um, what I, what I relate this to, is I. I'm, I'm going to say this to. I've, I've, uh, I said this to you yesterday and before we started the shoot. Is a principal agency problem. The the founder of the startup. He is the owner of the startup. And he's also employed by the startup. right? So he's the principal and the agent who's working for the principal. right? So for example, if your dad has a business and then he employs you as CEO, well, you are working for your dad. right? He's the principal, you're the agent, working for him in running the business. So when you have a shareholder or an investor come in, that- changes, that relationship changes. You then become part of a group who, is a, who are principals, who own the business, and you're also the agent who is going to be running the business for the principals. So it can get, it can get tough because you know, you've got to have an understanding of what is the cost of having an investment. So usually people think that raising equity uh, and this is pretty uh, normal in West Perth. A lot of firms, they just raise equity like that and they raise quite a lot of it uh, with, their, with their eyes shut. There's, they think there's no cost to equity. There is a cost. You know, there's a cost because you've got to keep your shareholders happy, right? Because you've got to provide them some, you know, recurring reporting, quarterly reporting, if not annual. Quarterly is what I would say. Expected. Is expected mm-hmm. yes, if an in, if a, if you have an investor come into your business and your startup and they want weekly updates, they're they're the wrong kind of investor for this. They're looking to, it's it's, you know, for a business to have a board and a chairman. You you have a board meeting once a month, right? Where's the share? Why is the shareholder asking for updates weekly? So that's wrong. So. When you have a shareholder come in, you have a different type of principal group. You are still the agency. So, one of the structures that corporate world, the you know the large corporates have come up with to work with this is they have a board. Right. So the shareholders have a trouble. They tell the board, and then the board oversees the agency, the management. So, for a startup to have a board, it's not economical. No. And it's a waste of time. Sorry, me yeah, Sorry, carry on. It, it is a waste <laughs> of time, um, but uh, you can look at an advisory board, which you know, mm, uh, which is something. Have, yeah. Yep. And uh, you know what they would do is uh, engage with the shareholders and o- maintain oversight of the business. And, and again. Having a board means getting people involved, and then again you've got to have confidence that those people will not try and be a controlling people, and those people also have some powers, Mm. which they may invoke. And you don't want a, what what was his name, William Kerr. William Kerr was the, um, what was it, Kerr? I have no idea what you're talking about. It was the Governor General, who uh, who the one who ousted Whitlam.
0: You're telling the story, bro. I ain't never heard of William Kerr. I'm not assuming this is something big. Forgive me my knack or knowledge on Kerr.
1: That's cool. So, yeah. So, so someone answers. Yeah. yeah, So, so you don't want someone who's going to ask you or who's going to try and push you out if you're Oh,
0: you're talking about like Steve Jobs with the Coca Cola guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they all got together and kicked out Steve Jobs of Apple back in the day. Oh, you're talking about that kind of story. You've
1: got to brush up on your politics, man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's, it's, It's been a while. It's been a
1: while. So, for a startup, it's very hard. And um, personally, why I, you know, what I'm, go- what I'm going to tell you now is, I-, I think from my point of view, mm. the most important factor in having, in deciding w- what kind of investor do you want. It's not the structure of the investments. It's not the amount of the investment. It's not the payout or the terms. Mm. It's the nature of the investor. It's, th- it's the person mm. and the motivation for that person. So, the reason that I actually stood up and wanted to talk to you after that pitch night is because I liked your nature mm. and I liked how you go about things, right? You're, not, uh, you're humble and you're sort of down to earth and that's good and uh, you don't have these fanciful things and all of that stuff, so you're cool. I I, I, I had that. I had that sort of a connection. I thought, well, oh, this mm. is a, this is a good person. This is a nice person to you know, to sort of think to have confidence in, mm. right? So. And if you, so why I say this is because you have That's such a cool you guy. You bring <laughs> on an investor into your business, and if you're not comfortable with them, mm. don't take them on. And if they're not comfortable with you, they should not come on as well. Because you're gonna come across these mixed motivations where you're looking at something else and they're looking at much shorter term, and you know we're in we're in WI. is the capital of uh, uh, small, mid uh, small and micro caps. There's about off of the 3,000 some firms listed on the SX one third are, list are. Within the suburb of West Perth, it's it's a suburb of 10 square kilometres. I need you to break this down. What do you mean by small and micro
0: caps? I don't know what that means, but I'm interested to know.
1: So small and micro caps are so Woolworths is a large cap, right? Um, a mid cap is uh, I would say between 100 million and uh, 1 billion dollars in market value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's equity value, right? Because equity stocks you list that onto the public market onto the ASX. Uh, small cap is, you know, t- 30 million to 100 million or 30 million to, say, okay, sometimes 30 to 300 million. Okay. Uh, less than 30 million or less than 50 million is a micro, is a micro cap. Already. And Perth has heaps of micro? Perth has heaps of micro and small cap companies because uh, what these companies do, they, they have a project. Oh, um, right. They explore. They don't have much money, but they've got a project which has got a lot of value. So someone's got to put in money. They've got to raise equity. And the project goes up, and then you'll see something like uh, FMG. Uh, FMG was a, was a microcap uh, twenty years ago. Um, Twiggy had a Twiggy had a couple other goals at um, at uh, raising money and having uh, you know and making a company out of it. He had Anaconda Nickel. Um, I think he had another one, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, there's lots of these micro caps which list themselves onto the ASX because you know, if your shares are listed, it uh, makes it easier for investors to come in and get out. Then you don't have to deal with their, we, don't you know, we want the business to go this way or that way. That happens once a year at the annual general meeting. Mm. Right, so, um, uh, that, so so you get these microcaps, the list, they get, you know, they get a source of investments, uh, a source of capital and they raise money, go out and dig, uh, if they find something, well, great, the share price goes up because the value of what they find times the probability of can they make something out of it goes up. Right,
0: so. so that's literally, that's literally WA, right? Yeah, that's WA. That's literally, like the resource sector, as you said, it's, it's, quite, it's quite healthy here. And I was talking with a friend of ours named Matreya, literally at the table here, he was talking about if you're going to dig for something, there is so much money available to you. Yes, To yes. be able to just get invested. A- and
1: that's because every business, every sector has a cycle, yeah. <laughs> a cycle does this. Currently, we are not here, so we are here. So, So five years ago we were here when I first came here, five years ago we were here. At that time, the WA economy was shit.
0: I remember that and everyone was complaining so much. But I knew, like, because I worked at Rio Tinto with my dad. My dad, uh, he was working for, okay, he worked for Hammersley Iron, which then, in Tom Price, which then transformed into Pilbara Iron for those who have history in the space, that which went from Pilbara Iron, then got bought out by Rio Tinto and Rio Tinto took it over and they've been running it. It's a low grade mine now at the main area of where uh, Tom Price is, but they've got a, another satellite mine site that they've just established, which has the high grade ore at that location. The interesting thing is, is like every time I was driving those haul trucks, those Komatsu haul trucks, which I did, after my second business went bad sorry sorry my second first business went bad it it was very interesting to see that the stockpile of iron that gets left in the reserve sections where you see those big excavator diggers just yeah, cycling yeah, yeah, through those stockpiles they'll just mine heaps of it stock go through the processing plant and just pile it up but then it's like it's it's almost it's not a bank. It's like you you make a deposit reserve, the deposit reserve just sits there. It hasn't gone away. It's just sitting there and they know it's sitting there. All they got to do is sell it one day. And so it's like you say, like the, the market waits until it's bad. So they don't sell it. They just hold it, wait for the price to go up. Then they'll take those reserves
1: and then they'll sell it. It, it's, it's a little insane. more. It, it's a little more complex than I'm that. Sure if you get in the details, sure but
0: yes, yes, you get it right. But seeing too. it from the practical side, like it actually doesn't stop the jobs. Still, they're still hiring people. They're still digging it up. They're still storing it on
1: the side. They just and, and that happens with mines as well. So when you have this, prices go down. Some mines, which are up the marginal cost curve, they shut themselves. And mm-hmm. uh, because prices are down, people don't want to put in money i.e. no new digging happening. So if you dig, you find something. If you don't dig, you've got, you got, you got, you got nothing.
0: Right.
1: So when markets are up, people put in money, more digging, more new mines coming online. So, and that just means that at one point, there'll be more supply than demand, and then prices will go down again, and then the mines will shut, and then there'll be more demand than supply, or less supply than demand, and prices Then go it'll up. go back up it's again, and
0: then people lose their jobs for a while, get upset, and they get their jobs back again, waiting for, waiting for the cycle. This, I've seen the cycle twice, yeah, yeah, yeah. personally in my lifespan. So it's, like, it's quite a long cycle, but yeah, either yeah, way, yes. it's going on. Yeah. Yes. So all this money is circulating around Perth in this space for the resource sector. But for e-commerce sellers, for more service-based industries, when you try to raise this
1: kind of capital it's like no it's, it's, it's a little not bit point. more
0: sparingly you know it's yes. like
1: yes. it's because uh, you know again going back to what i said uh, you know you become your environment right so the easier way to change yourself is change your environment and uh, so you, <laughs> so the environment is that we are in wi and uh, there's a place called west perth and that's where uh, if you have a project or want to have a project, or if you understand finance, you end up there. Uh, it's a very exciting place
0: to be if, if you're in the middle of it. So this is West Perth, you're saying the guys who aren't in the, well the mining sector still is like backup coin, but you're saying there's other projects where, are happening all in the West Perth space?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's plenty. I mean, that's what I said, there's about a th- one third of the ASX is, uh, is, in the, is registered in the postcode of West Perth. One-third of the ASX, so one-third of all listed companies are in Respert, of all ASX-listed companies. Right. Yeah. And they've got all sorts of projects. Projects in, uh, uh, in Namibia, projects in Mali, projects in Zambia, projects in Mongolia. You name a country and we'll find a project, mate. <laughs> all right, I didn't know that. So let's, let's go back then and say, all right, and by the way, this isn't derogatory, WA is the, it's like the, if you're in the mining industry, anywhere around the world, WA and PERT is like, wow, it's the halo, right? it's the place, and that's why you see, you know, I've got friends who are from Colorado in the US where mining activity was quite a lot a few hundred years ago, or a few years ago, and in that they've come here. Friends from Canada used to work in oil and gas and they've come here. So this is a a place for, this is the premier place.
0: For this space.
1: For this space, for mining and exploration.
0: So we're not in mining, we're in the e-commerce space. So I'm really curious to get a perspective of what you think, because we've had a couple of conversations and it's very clear, this type of financing structure for equity, the market, it's very different. I know there's a couple other uh, like there's better labs. I know there's the Perf Angels, there's a couple of other ones that are sort of around, but it seems like it's, it seems like I think you were saying, where the, this either the early stage business or the business that's just starting to get their feet off the ground or pre, pre-revenue businesses that don't have anything to do with the mining resource sector, they're kind of at the mercy of the investment contracts or investment terms that come forward. And, and those that do come through, it's like they take these huge... T- I, what's your thought on that space? Like, uh,
1: do you- <laughs> so, so, you know, given where you are, you've got access to a limited number of investors. And uh, even if you go out and try and access this, Investment or capital markets, it's coloured by Westpert. So, um, a, as you said, you know a lot of them. They would want. Well, okay, we will invest, but when are you going to list on the stock exchange? Right, that that'll be a time when we'll be able to get out or see some ups- upside or whatever. So, if you were in Surrey Hills, in um, in Sydney. There's a lot more firms that you could actually go out to and talk or family offices, so here i 'm introducing this concept of a family office mm. uh, that 's basically a guy who's made a lot of money or a family who 's made a lot of money, and they found out that uh, you know you c- you can actually quantify the risk return and uh, make money by investing, stock market, private investing, other kinds of investing, real estate investing. So there are these family offices here in Perth, uh, which do invest in, uh, you know, education startups, healthcare startups, e-commerce startups. We've seen a couple of those, yeah. And uh, if you're in WA, uh, I think, that's perhaps the space that you look at if you don't want to list yourselves onto the ASX because there's a lot of obligation that comes with it and there's a cost to that equity. Usually equity costs more than that. Yes. And yeah, that costs, you know, uh, see time is money. So if it's not monetary cost, it'll be time cost. Yeah. And then, and then that will make you lose money elsewhere. If, if, okay, say
0: I'm an early stage business and I've, I've been I can only say it this one way. I've been indoctrinated to say, I need a pitch, I need to raise capital with a pitch, and I need to get an investor. Because this, this particular phrase is well established in the startup community. Yep. If you go to Founders Institute, if you go to any incubator, usually what they're trying to do is shove down your throat and say, hey guys, you want to raise this money, look, look let's start a minimal viable product or MVP, Let's get that product into the market. Let's get some numbers behind it so we can put a story together and raise investment for the next round, for the next potential, or raise a seed round. And then they throw this at them and they're like, all right, guys, we're going to have a pitch night. We're going to get all these businesses together. And you're like huddled in with cattle and get on the stage, share your pitch, and people clap and so happy you presented your story and shared whatever hell you've achieved. And the investors are like, hmm, I like this one, I'll start a conversation. But then it's like, you're at the mercy of what the investor wants, and so you will do almost anything because you, need, you feel like that's, that's the way. And, it, and that seems to be a very common phrase. I know I'm sounding a bit against investment, I don't mean to, I just had, uh, let's just say, I've had some difficult challenges around the long-term focus of investments uh, sh- then, then,
1: what the business wants to go. Yeah. So, so see, a, a lot of the times, uh, and I've been to I think two or three of these pitch nights now. So, mm. a lot of the times, that businesses that or startups or founders that come up and pitch, uh, there isn't they have they haven't got it right, or they haven't thought through. There isn't a need for an investor, or they're too small mm. for an investment, or their idea is just not there, and you know, or they're presenting to the wrong kind of people so uh, again it's like if you were in if you really want and if you really think that you know this is a great product idea software whatever and it, d- what have what i've put into this is more than time sweat it's also money uh, and you can see stuff you got to have the confidence and then you I'd rather say you know you go to Sydney and try and present there mm. uh, at, the, at some pitch nights there and uh, contact people, make networks there. You bet you'll be better off. Mm. Um, Just yeah. Based on the sp- yes, yeah. yes, A- and and what happens is uh, the so usually if you, the larger the investor, the larger the their investment deal size, right? And startups, a lot of them, they need 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. This is the size that they want to talk in. At that size, you're not going to come across professional. A lot of professional investors are not going to be there. When I say professional, I mean either they are institutional investors. So, for example, a fund that has been set up, run by someone like me 15 20 years down the line uh, with and that money's come from a superannuation fund or something like that or some high net worth people mm-hmm. that's an institution or another professional investor would be i'd say you know a, a someone who's made a lot of money and uh, they're looking to invest so those the, those investment sizes don't match up with what you want right you want 50000 no not going to happen here you want 100000 still not going to happen here. You want $500,000, okay you may be able to get some traction. Usually the institution, institutionals, they would put money in sizes of at least 500000 in the VC side. Anything less than that, and you, I think you'd be better off getting, trying applying for grants or incubation or stuff like that. So if you're trying to raise uh, $50,000, you go to family and friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I know that when I was having a, there was a, a private equity, uh, discussion going on, and the private equity guys were like, "We'll start at 30 million, and 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 up, or the lowest we'll go is maybe 15 mil, because it's, it's because they've the got time. yeah, so it's, not, it's not worth their time. Yes,
1: and and they've got, they they've raised. Half a billion from their investors, right? It includes super funds and all of that. So if they start making investments of one million each, they need to find 500 investments. It's not going to happen. That's a lot of investments. Yeah, they, they've got yeah. to put money to uh, put money to work and then make it work and then take money out and then return money to investors in a given time frame,
0: right? Mm. So they're under the pump to do a job, yes. and so the startups themselves are then having. Technically, they're just feeding the chain of someone
1: else's. So it helps if you understand the motivation of investors. Yeah, that
0: makes complete sense. So, so, so
1: in that case, you, you don't go around barking up the wrong tree. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> was a story, I won't name them right now, where they were talking about, um, I was just asking, because we were looking at getting investment from an institution. And the conversation kind of went like this, where The person who they raised money from was a wealthy individual. The wealthy individual uh, believed in the vision of the company that he invested in to go a certain direction. The founder and his wife wanted it to go in another direction. And one of the things that they were trying to address was um, they wanted to improve the software to to re-add in a functionality that they could see greater potential of uh, improvement within that arrangement. The challenge was is that it needed more money and they were interested to go for another round of investment to gain um, that money into the business because it couldn't uh, do it internally off the revenue it was producing. The original investor that had put the money in, which was I could probably say because it's vague enough, was about 100000 That individual, that investor said, no, 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 we're not going to raise any more because he knew dilution would be of impact to him, sorry, that person. And they had a a bit of a shit fight. And so the investor overruled the founding team to not improve the business model because the investor didn't want to be diluted, which then means the founder had to then figure out how they're going to make the, the system it currently has to be sold to the marketplace. Knowing full well it was a substandard service and system, and that was heartbreaking and and, and painful for the founder because he knew
1: that that person knew it's a substandard product, and even if it sells, you're not going to be happy.
0: And then I thought to myself, wow, there, there's such a misconnection there. So he, the the founder, and uh, was in discussions with the investor to then buy out that investor. With money he didn't have which then was a complete distraction yeah. from building that business yeah. and i just thought to myself wow i that sounds really suck so, that sounds it so yeah, doesn't bad. that
1: sound like uh, you hooking up with a with a, with a woman you, you met at a pub and you had a drunken night and then you you got married in las vegas and then three or four years down the line you're having this big fuck up divorce and whatever you had is gone and you've got to go back to the car you had when you were 18. Uh, Yeah. So it's down to decision making. Yeah, it's true.
0: Then there was another story I heard from a friend of mine who I knew from the morning startup community here in Perth, who um, who left Perth many years ago to go to the east coast of Australia somewhere and his conversation, to be kept private again, was around the fact that they had done really well with the business structure, but he knew that there was a limited amount market opportunity and he wanted to increase the market opportunity by pivoting the direction into this other space. And the investor who invested in it was going with the original direction, which seems to be a commonality. Like the investor believes in the initial pitch, wants it to go that way, recognizes that the, the founder had found errors in his initial assessment. And then is like, uh, uh, we need to change our assessment and make a redirection to be able to increase revenue. But then a disconnection happens. And then he was one of a, a couple of uh, shareholders. And so he was talking to the other shareholders to discuss about them uh, negating the new direction, which then Took him away from business growth and then dealing with politics of these other shareholders to try to appease and say why it was a good idea to change, and I just thought to myself, what a fuck. Well, it's a cost. Yeah, that's that's the cost of equity. And it and look, if if I knew investment raising for equity sales of shares was a good idea, and I heard more positive stories, like. I I, I would support it more, but I'm just hearing... Look, um,
1: the reason you're not hearing more positive stories is because of the um, inherent risk in the business model, right? Um, So, for example, uh, now I'm going to quantify things, right? Uh, I'm a fund manager, Mm -hmm. I raise money, and I want to invest. If I invest in the broad stock market, which has got all kinds of companies, I can expect to make eight percent, and my risk would be by, by a standardized measure would be say sixteen percent right? mm-hmm. or fifteen percent If I want to then take on more risk, I go into smaller companies, my risk will be twenty three percent I make twelve percent right return on twenty three percent risk then I go into say more risk, I want to go into smaller companies or I want to go into private companies well then I can't go get in and get out of that equity pretty easily, it it takes a lot of time. So my risk is 30% and my required return to commensurate with that risk is 15%. Just could you give a minute, when
0: you say 30%, you mean like 30% of the capital that you have raised? So like if you raised $50 million. 30% 30% of that 50 million would go to the-
1: No, 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 market. so I, I'm, saying, I'm saying let's just take a standardised measure of risk. I'm not gonna go into the technical details of it because that, we'll that, that's, that's, yeah, that's financial engineering stuff. Um, but it's called deviation and standard deviation. And so if you, like stocks go up and down in value. So if you have a private business you think, what's the value of it today? What's the value of it tomorrow? And although it doesn't seem like it changes, but if you want it to change, you can think about factors and how it is to change and all of that stuff. Leave that. Sure. Let's just say risk and return. Higher the risk, higher the return wanted. And startup is uh, inherently, with, uh, even if you have investors, if you don't have investors, if you're starting up a new business, there's a lot more risk involved than uh, Woolworths, investing in Woolworths, right? So they will need more return for that, right? So that's why the terms uh, are harsher than, or you know, for a non-commercial person or a non-investment-savvy person, they would seem harsher. They wouldn't understand why is it like this because the risk is is greater. It's much greater than investing in a normal company. Now, to what you were saying, that um, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I forgot.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just talking about stories of where.
1: Y- yes, were yes, anything. yes. So the reason you hear all these negative stories is because, in any case, how many startups actually make it? Not. Me- My initial statement, without even thinking, was
0: not many. Yes. And I would say that's true. Like yes. The so amount of businesses so, still so now, still now
1: I can quantify this again into. Have you ever studied, what's called a normal distribution or a bell curve.
0: I've heard of a bell curve where like... Yes, 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 yes.
1: And in the middle is the mean, and the mean is you know the average and all of that stuff. It applies to a lot of things. A lot of things in life. People, demographics, investments, everything. So it can be different from that, right? It can be skewed to the negative. It can be skewed to the positive. And startup investing or startup space in itself is not a normal, normal curve. It's skewed to the negative. So So for 1,000 startups, Mm -hmm. let's just assume one makes it to the unicorn stage. And if you have 2010, 1,000 startups in Perth, 2020, off of those 1,000, only three made it alive. Only three still exist. Off of them, one is is a Canva. So yeah. that's why you're hearing, yeah. you're, you're in a, an environment where over time, no matter what you do, you're going to get negative news, and then you overlay on top of that the investment news, so just <laughs> it's And that's the story you hear. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, that's the reason for that. So
0: if, let's just say, for all our friends who are trying to get a product off the ground, and let's say they've done it for two years, and they've, they've got a product off the ground, they've got two years of traction, And they're like, okay, I know that if I had an extra 150K or 250K of opportunity funds, then I would be able to reinvest into the product I'm trying to build and grow it up and all this kind of stuff. Would you genuinely consider them to try and go out and raise capital in an equity market space or use other instruments that could be potentially for them?
1: Uh, There's no specific answer to this, I mean it it all very Very much depends because uh, the cost to each of these investment structures, equity, it can be different kinds of equity, preferred, convertible, I'm sure you've heard of these things, Uh, there's contributing equity, all all kinds of stuff and um, the smaller the investment size, the less flexibility. You know, the larger the investment size, the more flexibility you have in the type of structure you can offer, you can work with, or whatever, 150, 200k, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's tough, man. Um, yeah, and unless, you know, uh, and just the very nature of where you, the environment you're operating in, you, you know, there's more chances that you will, well, statistically speaking, you'll fail. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, statistics. Is the is the bell curve, right? So it's it's, shi- it's shit
0: news, and I know you guys only hear it, but it.
1: But then again, it's if you of the thing. yes, so but but then again, if you don't fail, well then there's a great big upside, right? And mm-hmm. um, why, you know, as a as a startup founder yourself, you know, you could have, you you had some time sweat uh, that you put into getting to starting up this business, and then you put in some money in it as well, but. Alternatively what you could have done is if you, you have your job at local government and you put your time sweat in there and then and you become CEO of the local government, you make two hundred grand, you get given a Lexus to drive around, save money, invest in the markets, you make ten percent, and over twenty years, you know, you're at from whatever you had, nothing, you, you're at, you know, you've got one million. You can take that or you go, okay, I take my time and effort into a startup, I take more risk, so I'll get more return. And then you got to try and work with the curve, right? Make the best of the opportunities, such that the probability of you succeeding goes up. You believe in yourself. It's a behavioral bias kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it's right. I in like there. behavioral it's science. It's right in there. Yeah. Right. You believe in yourself. That's why you take that risk and you leave this local government job that's going to take you to elections and a million million dollars in the bank, right? Right. That's why you take this risk. So you you've got to understand that, man. I support what you're saying. Like, after
0: after ten years of listening to the potential of raising capital and like going on first, and it, it took me a while to be. I'm not against raising capital in a an and not market. everyone not needs to raise it. capital. A lot of people exactly. who do they
1: don't need it. They you're shouldn't. absolutely right.
0: I, I'm a big fan of the debt structures because you know. Uh, the controlling factors are, are much more simple. It's just money comes in, interest is requested, payment is yep, done. Yep, yep, yep. Debt is all about
1: cash yeah. and cash flow. No matter the story, the sector, the this, the that. Yeah, there's some things in there, but all they want to see where's the money? Where's it coming from? Where's it going to? How much is left? How much can you do? Okay, let's put can that. Yeah, 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 Let's put that down on a on a sheet of paper. Yep, yeah, do we like it? Yep, tick. You get the money. But for equity investors. They want to see the story because they get to participate in the upside. Yes. The debt ones, they don't have any upside. They just go, if you, if you need debt, take your business, throw it away, leave the cash flows, put that on a piece of paper. The better you communicate those cash flows to the debt investor, the bank or whatever, more your chances to getting money, more money you can get. But for equity, you've got to sell the story. Yeah. And you've got to sell yourself. Mm. Because the story changes as you go, man. Oh, absolutely. Five years ago, I was in a deep, 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 <laughs> deep, 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 deep shit. So five years ago, I couldn't have sold myself, but today I can try and sell myself. So you've got to sell yourself. It's not the um, startup only, or the idea, it's the person. Look, I,
0: I respect the the, the the growth you have had since you've, look, just the fact that you just come to Australia, it's very clear you're a very intelligent individual, and in 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 that in, Aspects of all this, it doesn't. It's clear to know like where this is going, like, and I and I got a feeling where. How to say this? Uh, where blue 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 capital blue mountain blue mountain is. Fuck, I'm so bad, <laughs> names, Where blue mountain is in with all the other one. There's this, I think there's one called Sea Breeze or something, where um, there's there's they're here in Perth as well, and there's. There's there's the one that Owen's got as well, which is a family um, house, family? Family ha- office. Family office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. The point is, like, I had to have my mentor tell me, like, stop trying to raise money. <laughs> Just focus on growing your company and take care of your people. And it's like, use your revenue to build the company. And that is such a hard message to hear. but. It's connected to, I, I feel like it connects to the same thing when you were buying and selling cars and just, just trying to make the grit and the, and the, and the how to say it, just, just make it work with what you have available. And I also agree with what you're saying. Like, I think it's very respectful. See, a lot of founders I would know in the beginning will be like, oh, I'm not gonna get a job. But I think it's really respectful to have a part time job with someone else that pays you money to pay for the business. And I feel like that's such a, such a smarter way to go about it because even though you're not putting 100% in, the money produced from the job helps fund the business without losing any equity. It's a smaller
1: drip effect, but it helps build the thing, you know what I mean? Yes, and there's, there's lots of decision making in this and as with life, sometimes you're, you're right and sometimes you're wrong. All you can do is make sure that when you're right, you win big and when you're wrong, you cut your losses. You don't want to stick on to losers. Mm. Yeah.
0: All right, we've been talking for so long and I love it, but just for, for the time factor here, there's, there's people that'll be listening and just for a call to action, if, if they're in this space and they're interested about raising capital or, or they're interested about um, going down this road and, and working this through, What would be your supportive action that they could take
1: today to help
0: grow their business?
1: Well, if you want to go down this road of raising capital, get yourself acquainted with the capital markets, how they work. Uh, And it's not just going onto YouTube and hearing more startups telling you that they raise money or this or that, or TED uh, TED Talks. It's actually, you've got to study this thing. Uh, Investopedia is a good place to start and start learning about what these different investments are and how do investors think. If you want to do that, you've got to understand the motivation. And the, the best way to do that is you've got, you've got to go back and study some of it. Uh, that would be a very good place to start because then you actually know what is expected off of you and whether you would actually think that you can do that you know, confidently or not. Uh, Apart from that, well, understand that you've taken the risk of, uh, you know, a startup, where you have a thousand, ten years later, there's only three surviving, so, you know. (laughs) Love it.
0: Look, Jaydeep, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate the fact that you're right where you're saying um, when you see these people that raise money. I, you know it's very easy to get very jealous like how did that guy get half a million dollars that's not fair and get really like really passionate about like if he can get half a million so can I but then it's like you don't you don't see the terms you don't hear about the conversations you don't know the politics and you definitely don't know where the story's going to be
1: and, two years and later. usually yeah. it's, it's not an overnight thing that you get money. No. Uh, even for large companies things are in the pipeline for years and years and uh, uh, what's always good is for you to network, right? Uh, uh, the more you network, the more people you come across and then they, they will have investments or, or someone will have an investor or whatever. Cool.
0: Dude, I'm gonna cut it there and so we'll let it go. But thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: No Cheers. worries, I love uh, I love you, Jesse, and uh, not in a not in literal sense. That's uh, okay.
0: <laughs> it's, it's been amazing. All right, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to me talk with Jai in this conversation. Next episode, we're going to be having Ez from Glide Agency coming to share about what it's taken from him to grow his business. So I really hope you enjoy this next episode to come. And again, thanks so much for listening.